kinds of work there to do. So if you can't lift, there's plenty of other things to do. And we're going to have a great time. So plan on doing that. <clears throat> okay? So in your workbook. Yes, ma'am. Um, how about if we do it this way? If anybody wants to meet here, I'll be here. We can meet here. And anybody that wants to go straight there and is comfortable with that, then they can go there. But we'll go ahead and we'll plan on meeting here at 8.30. Okay? So, in your workbook, I am so sorry. In your workbook, I want you to write down some things that you have trouble being content with. <laughs> Anybody want to give me any examples of things they have trouble being content with? Sorry. Wait. If you're in front of the speakers, it makes noise. So. You wait. Anybody else? Yes, Maddie? Living situation? Ditto. Anyone else? Relatives? A relative? <laughs> Anybody else? Work schedule? Work? <laughs> Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Not enough money to buy what you want. That's great. Well, some examples that I wrote down is, you know, that I've seen over the years is, um, if you're married, you want your husband to be different. If, or if you're married, you wish you weren't married. Or if you're not married, you wish you were married. Um, people are not content a lot of times with their job, their house, their yard, their furniture, their clothes, their car, their jewelry, their shoes, their children, their co-workers, their relatives, their body, their skin, their hair. Anybody relate? <laughs> what? All of them? All of the above? And some, some people might say, well, I'm never, I'm never discontent with anything like that. Um, I, I'm more spiritual than that. But do you know that sometimes people have trouble being content with spiritual things? Things surrounding their walk with God. Um, they might say, well, the prayer time wasn't good enough, or I didn't feel God's presence, presence enough, or we never really got where we were supposed to get in prayer, or the worship was too loud, the worship was too quiet, the worship was too long, the worship was too short. The pastor should have used this scripture. He should have prayed for the sick today. Lulu should have sung a special. The church was too hot. The church was too cold. I didn't like that PowerPoint. I didn't like that video. The chairs were too hard. I have to serve with so-and-so who I can't stand. 
Ever hear any of those? (laughs) Sometimes we need to ask ourselves, what would really make me happy? What is it that would make me happy? And I want you to put down on your, on, in your workbook, what would you need to be content? What is it that you need to be content? A miracle. Well, hopefully we can work on that tonight. Okay, got it written down? I've often listened to Christians complaining about their lives or about things in their church, and I've wondered how uh, people in other countries who are put in jail or persecuted, who are, you know, they throw gasoline on them and put them on fire, and they're just so full of the joy of the Lord. They're so content. They're so happy. They're so energized about their walk with God, and how can that be? Um, I wonder how people in this church, you know, complain about the heating or the cooling or the chairs or, you know, endless list of things that people can find to complain about. But the people at the church that we're, we're helping down in Costa Rica, Victory Church, they have a dirt floor. They have hard, straight, wooden benches. Um, they have no windows. And the bathroom is a hole in the ground outside. And most people are just totally and completely thrilled with everything in them to be there. But we here in America, you know, if you walk in the door and somebody looks at you wrong, people freak out. You know, what is it about us that we're not content with things? We're going (laughs) to spoil. We're going to think we're going to look at that tonight. And one thing that we've got to realize and is very, very, very important is that contentment has to come from inside. It can never come from any outside circumstance. Because if we're waiting for our circumstances to change to be happy and content, it's never going to happen. Because as everybody's life, it goes up and down and up and down. Our situations get better, they get worse, they get better, get worse. But our contentment has to come from the inside. The definition of contentment, and that's on your worksheet there, the definition is happy enough with what one has or is, not desiring something more or different, satisfied or pleased. I'm going to read that a couple more times. Content means happy enough with what what one has or is, not desiring something more or different, satisfied, pleased. I'm going to read it one more time. Content means happy enough with one, what one has or is, not desiring something more or different, satisfied or pleased. And the Bible tells us over, over and over again that we need to be content. So we need to be happy enough with what one has or is. We need to not desire something more or different. We need to be satisfied and pleased. How do you think, what do you think about that? God's pretty well telling us, you know, we need to be content. No matter what situation we're in, we need to be content. And that doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that we're always trying, that we're never trying to better ourselves or better our situations. It's talking about something deep down on the inside of us. Are we always grinding because things aren't right? Are we always grinding 
in our mind and our heart, you know, because this person, you know, you wish this person was better, or that person is better. Um, an example of that would be, you know, if you had children in school and, you know, you just thought your, your child would be excellent in math, but your child is good in art or science, and you just, you know, in your mind, you're just so discontent because you want your child to be good in math. Well, they're never going to be good in math, maybe, but you need to be content with who they are and the way God made them. That's one example. In a Bible commentary, it talks about contentment. It's Barnes Notes, it's called. It says, the meaning is that real religion or godliness should be regarded as the greatest and most valuable acquisition. With contentment refers to a state of mind, a calm and satisfied feeling, a freedom from murmuring and complaining. That would be a good place to be, wouldn't it? I'm going to read that again. It refers to a state of mind, a calm and satisfied feeling, a freedom from murmuring and complaining. We need to be free from murmuring and complaining, don't we? We need to have that state of mind that's calm and satisfied. Now let's look at somebody who had just an absolutely, total and completely horrible life as most of us would think of it. Let's look at the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. Second Corinthians eleven twenty three. You can put that up, Lori. <clears throat> now I'm starting in, in like the middle of the verse. It says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and ex been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent the, a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger, from, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brethren. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Sounds like a really rough life, doesn't it? Now, did he have to worry about what purse he was going to bring to the next event? Did he worry about what sandals he was going to wear, the white ones or the black ones? Did he have anxiety because, you know, he wanted to eat the chocolate ice cream but maybe he really shouldn't? Did the Apostle Paul freak out if somebody looked at him wrong? No, he didn't. He didn't. Um, let's look at Philippians 4, verse 12, and see what Paul has to say about his life. Now, that, the Apostle Paul, I mean, he was in jail. And it wasn't like, you know, jail here in the United States in 2011. It was a lot of times it was underground or it was in caves. There was no electricity. It was wet. There were no bathroom facilities. People just relieved themselves in their cell. There was no toilet. You know, they sat in or laid in, you know, their urine and feces. They were whipped. They were beaten. It smelled. It stunk. But yet we're going to see that Paul, in those situations, 
he was content. And that's hard to understand, but we can, be there. We can do that too. Philippians 4 verse 12. It says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Wow. You know, that says a lot, doesn't it? I mean, Paul had his best friends betray him. He was, he was hunted, you know, like a criminal. He had a really rough life, but he said he learned the secret of being content. You know, being content is something that we have to learn. We have to learn how to do, and it's not easy to learn how to do because we have to con control our flesh, and we don't want to control our flesh. We love to satisfy our flesh, but we need to con control our flesh. We see in the scripture that being content is something we have to learn, and it might not be easy because, because it is described as being a secret. A secret is something you have to really hunt for and search out. <laughs> um, Paul had an absolutely horrible life in many ways, but in his heart and in his mind, he was content. In other words, Paul was happy enough with what he had. He did not desire something more or different. He was satisfied and he was pleased. And at the end of that scripture we just read in Philippians, we can see why. Because he did everything through him who gives him strength. He did everything through the strength that God gave him. And he depended on that. He wasn't dependent on his outside circumstances. He wasn't... Um, looking to the outside things to make him happy. He was content and happy because he had contentment on the inside of him in his heart. And that's where we need to get it to. Um, <clears throat> we have some major obstacles to being content. Can anybody think of any? Yes? Yourself? <laughs> anybody else think of any? Something more specific? Okay, I'll help you out. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 10, 12. Second Corinthians 10, 12 says, We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. So one big obstacle to being content is when we compare ourselves with other people. If we um, uh, live next to somebody who has a perfect yard, then maybe we're not going to be content because our yard doesn't look like that. And maybe we're going to be striving to have a yard like theirs just because their yard is nice. Or if we look at somebody who has, you know, they're just up to the minute in fashion, and if we compare ourselves to them, then we're not going to be content because maybe we don't have those kind of clothes. Or if we look at, you know, the Smith family and they have, you know, three kids that are grown and they all, I mean, they never had any rebellious moment when they were teenagers and they just grew up perfect, 
which doesn't happen, by the way. <laughs> but we think, we think it happened. You know, that they didn't have any problems with their children, and now their children are grown. They married perfect spouses, and now they have perfect grandchildren. Well, we're not going to be content if we're going to compare ourselves to them. First of all, it's not realistic, <laughs> but there's no way we can be content. If we look at somebody, well, if, you know, especially teenage girls do this, they look at, you know, uh, women that have these perfect figures, and they think, you know, they have to be like that. Well, it's never going to happen, because you know what they do? Uh, like in magazines and stuff, they take those people that look a certain way, and then they airbrush them, so they, you know, go like this. <laughs> And any kind of pimples or freckles or anything, they take that all off. So those aren't really real people that you see. And if you try to compare yourselves to them, you'll never be content with yourself. Um, other things that you compare, uh, you know, teenagers, you might think, you know, you might look at somebody else's parents and think that they're just so awesome. They're, they're, my friend's parents are just the best. I wish my parents were like that. Well, comparing your parents to other people's parents will never make you content. You can't do that. Um, so comparison is the first thing. Okay? I don't think that's on your list. Oh, yes, it is. What are some obstacles to contentment? Comparison would be the first thing. The second thing is sin. We don't like to think of ourselves as having any sin in our life. But as long as we're here on this earth, we're going to have to deal with sin. Every single person has to deal with sin. And some sins that we can have in our life that prevent us from being content are envy, greed, covetousness, and idolatry. Um, I know there's a lot of television shows out that glorify greed. One of them is named Greed. <laughs> so it's pretty obvious that that's a sin. God calls that a sin. Wheel of fortune, minute to win it, who wants to be a millionaire? And the wonderful lottery, you know, those are all because of greed. And they, they, those things flourish because people are full of greed. Um, one Greek word used in the New Testament for greed is uh, pleonexia. It means a strong desire to acquire more things than other people have, irrespective of need. So in other words, if you have 15 purses and you see somebody with a red purse and you don't have a red purse, you've got to go get that red purse. That means that you're dealing with greed because you don't really need it, you know. So you need to think about these things in your own heart. Because sometimes we have greed in our heart. Sometimes we're envious of other people. And that there's no way we can be content if we're envious of other people. There's no way we can be um, content in our heart if we have greed in our heart. Or if we're covetous. Covetous means that we're wanting something that somebody else has. And all of these things just add up to idolatry, that we're putting other things, other things are becoming more important than God is. And we need to check our own hearts and make sure that those things aren't in our heart. Um, the Tenth Commandment in Exodus 20, verse 17, says, You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant. 
ox or donkey or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. We need to be very careful. We need to be thinking about what we're thinking about. We need to be thinking about what we're meditating on. Um, I know sometimes women, they'll think somebody else's husband, you know, has all these wonderful good qualities, and I wish my husband were like that, that lady's husband. Well, you're just being covetous, you know, and believe, believe me, you, do, you have no idea what that man is like at home, you know, and you just, you can't do that. You can't covet your neighbor's belongings. You can't be thinking, I really wish I had what my neighbor had. Um, the source of all these things, greed, envy, covetousness, and idolatry, is our heart, our heart condition. It has nothing to do with our outside circumstances. We can be, you can be a multimillionaire and still be full of greed. You can have every need of yours met and still have greed and covetousness and idolatry and envy in your heart. Let's look at Mark 7, verse 21. And it's just a good thing, you know, if you find yourself not content with things, you know, search your heart and try to figure out why. Is it greed? Is it envy? Am I putting other things before God? And this is what Jesus said in Mark seven twenty one: For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. So if we, we are having problems with these kind of thoughts, we need to know it's not... If, let's, let's go back to the husband example. If we have thoughts, you know, covetous thoughts, or we're comparing our husband with somebody else's husband, it's not because our husband is at fault. It's not because our husband is a bad person. It's because we have a problem in our heart. If we think somebody else's um, job or, or children or whatever is better than ours, it's not because that's true. It's because we have a problem in our heart. We need to check our hearts. Um, let's look at Luke 12, 15. Jesus is talking again. He said, um, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. And all I can do is speak for the United States, but in the United States, that's kind of the culture. That's kind of the culture in the United States. How much you own makes you more, you know, a better person or more valuable person or a person to be looked up to. But Jesus said, life is not measured by how much you own. So you can have as good a life if you make $10,000 a year as if you make $10 million a year. God has supplied for you as good a life because your life is not based on your outward circumstances. It's based on what is flowing from the inside of you. And I've noticed that people who are not content often complain and they often put themselves under a lot of stress because they're always trying to achieve something that they don't have. Uh, people who are not content often put their relatives under undue pressure because they want their relatives or their friends to be something that they're not. And I'll just use the example of, you know, a parent with a child. You know, a lot of times parents want their children to be something that they're not. You know, you know, I want my child to be 
a soccer star and I want him to play soccer in college. And the, you know, the kid is 10 years old and I'm already planning that he's going to be a soccer star in college. Well, he hates soccer, you know, and, and, but I want him to play soccer so bad, all I'm doing is uh, expecting things out of him that are not realistic. And I'm trying to get my contentment out of what he is instead of what the Lord is in me. And what do I do? I put undue pressure and stress on somebody that doesn't deserve it. Also, people that are not content can be very moody, um, pushy, and manipulative manipulative because they're trying to get other things, other people to do what they feel like they need to be content. So we need to watch all those things. So, how can we be content? As we've seen, it takes work. It takes work on our part to be content. We have to learn how to do it. And we need to ask ourselves, do I really want to be content? Or do I find pleasure in be, being discontented? And you know, there's part of us, a, a part of us that's not good, that sometimes we enjoy being miserable. We enjoy um, complaining or we enjoy, you know, being envious or whatever. And we need to check ourselves and make sure that we aren't enjoying, being mis enjoying the misery. You know, sometimes it gets to be a habit in our life. You know, that we're just complaining and discontented about everything. And if you, you know, everything you say is, is you know, a complaint or discontent. We need to really make sure, you know, a lot of, a lot of what we do, we can just judge by what's coming out of our mouth. You know, if our heart is full of life, life is going to come out. If our heart is full of discontent, then that's going to come out, you know. And nobody is ever going to be able to do anything right for us. So the first thing is that we're going to have to work at it. We're going to have to really decide that we want to be content, and we're going to have to work at it. The second thing is that we need to repent. If we've been walking in discontentment, um, God commands us to be content. If we're not content, then we're in sin, because God commands us to be content. So we need to repent. We need to repent if we've been comparing ourselves with others, if we're comparing ourselves with, you know, our situation, our possessions with other people, if we've been greedy, our envious, or covetousness, our covetous, we need to repent. We need to go before the Lord and repent. And then the third thing is that we need to control our thoughts. You know, our mind can go crazy sometimes, and things can, things can, you know, the Bible talks about fiery darts from the devil. Thoughts can come through your mind that aren't from the Lord, and they're not from you either. But God can, or the devil can shoot things through your mind like, you know, that person is so lucky, blah, 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 you know. And then, then you start thinking about that, and then you become discontent in your heart. We need to control our thoughts. Let's look at Philippians 4.8. It says, <clears throat> Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. <clears throat> now, if you think about that scripture, if you're thinking about these things all the time, how in the world could you be discontent? You can't really, can you? 
If we're thinking about things that are noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, anything excellent or praiseworthy, if we're thinking about these things, we're going to be content because our mind is going to be thinking about good things all the time. In Colossians 3.2, it says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. If our heart and our mind is set on God and the things above, that's going to give us such peace and contentment. That's where we want to set our heart and our mind. Um, just a few more scriptures in 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. It says, <clears throat> but godliness with contentment is great gain. So if you want great gain... You want godliness with contentment. You want to be content. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. <clears throat> Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. It gives us a lot of clues there on how to be happy. But the last scripture, but you, man of God, flee from all this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. That's a really good scripture. And then the fifth thing, I, I, number four, is uh, put to death any sin that is lurking within you. And Colossians 3, 5, I'll just read it real quickly. It says, put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. <clears throat> Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. The things of this world become more important to you than what's on the inside of you. Then you become an idolater. And we don't want that. And then number five is make a decision to be content. It is commanded in the Bible. So sometimes, you know, if you, you're thinking thoughts that, you know, you're not content with this, that, or the other thing, sometimes you just need to stomp your feet and say, I'm going to be content with what I have. I'm content with what I have. I'm blessed with what I have. The Bible says that we're supposed to rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. If we're mumbling and grumbling and complaining and, and whining about things, then we're not rejoicing in the Lord, and we need to check ourselves. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, it says, Be joyful always. Well, if you're not content, can you be joyful? Nope, you can't. It says, Pray continually. Well, if you're not content, you need to pray. You need to pray that um, your heart would be right, because God commands it. And give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So to sum it all up, if we're not content, what we need to do, just in one sentence, is we need to fall in love with God all over again. Because remember when you first gave your life to the Lord? It didn't matter what was going on. All you could think about was God and how wonderful he was is and how much he's done for you. So if you feel discontented in your life, I just just if you can remember this one thing, just fall in love with God all over again. Remember how wonderful he is. Think about his goodness and and, and his great mercies toward you. Amen. So to end, we're going to read the pledge on the back of our book. 
So turn your book over. And let's stand up. Everybody ready? I, co <clears throat> I commit, everybody say it with me, I commit to live a higher standard in my thoughts, words, and actions. I was made to reflect God's glory. I will go into strict training to get a crown that will last forever. I will train my mind to think about things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and worthy of praise. <clears throat> the Bible says that life and death are in the power of my tongue. I will use my words to bring life. I will not let any unwholesome talk come out of my mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up, that it may benefit those who listen. God created me to do good deeds and has given me the ability to do good deeds. I will commit myself, I'm sorry, I will commit to let my actions glorify God. I will test my thoughts, words, and actions with the following four tests. Are they pure? Are they fruitful for God's kingdom? Am I in faith? And most importantly, are they motivated by love? People will know I am a Christian by the way I love my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I am trusting to lead more people to the Lord this year than I ever have done before. Amen. Do you all agree with that? I encourage you to take this out and, and read this every day. We need to remind ourselves of this. And now we're going to spend.